are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome to episode 36. On today's show, we will explore the use of timing techniques with my first anonymous client. Yay! <laughs> I hope to get many more. Uh, we will look at also uh, the next major transit for this year. And as I look at the moment-to-moment uh, -moment transits that are happening right now, Mars is ever so close to changing gears. Uh, anyway, we'll do quite a little piece uh, at the end of the show on the ingress of Mars into Aries. Okay, but for our feature this week, thank you to my first anonymous client. So, a little bit of chart detail. This person has, it's a girl, okay, um, Virgo rising, which means the steersman or where her life is going to be primarily focused from time to time is with Mercury in Aries. So speaking directly to the challenges of the eighth house, which are things like uh, death and taxes and joint resources, dealing with power, uh, dealing with the deep dive, if you're looking at it from a modern perspective of uh, hidden things in the psyche and in uh, power dynamics within relationships, etc. She has a sun in Pisces and a moon in Gemini. So a lot of mutable energy here. But she also has um, focus on uh, Jupiter and Libra and Mars-Saturn conjunction. Now this is a day chart and so she's put both the malefics together above the horizon. The moon is also up there. Uh, her greatest benefic is below the horizon but making some really nice aspects. Okay, so what was this lady's question? And it is as follows. My marriage ended about five years ago, and I have been living on my own, learning and growing. Lately, I have been wondering if it is in my chart to meet a man who would appreciate me and be in my life, or would it be better to move to another apartment where I could have a cat? I love cats. Okay, so just a quick comment on the cat part, because I'm thinking about what all I've written, and I don't think I mentioned it. So Pisces, the mutable signs, they love our four-legged friends, uh, feathered and otherwise. Uh, okay, so the main question here that I will address, timing of a possible future relationship. So where do we begin? I personally begin with the age of the person. The Saturn will indicate maturity life experience. The client who comes in during their second Saturn return is a whole different kettle of fish. And in this chapter of life, successful relationships come with a whole new criteria. Being relaxed and comfortable and underline, underscore, wholly yourself comes to mind for this time. How you read a chart for the time of the client's life is very important from my point of view. Uh, 
This client is past her second rate Saturn return, so a scan, so we, we know that she's looking for comfort. And in her question, the way she worded her question, uh, she knows who she is and, you know, a partner would have to be totally fine and supportive of where she is in her life. Okay, so let's look at the actual relationship signature. Uh, okay, and I must change pages here. Okay, Pisces on the 7th. Okay, obviously she's a Pisces, so that puts her Sun and Venus. So Pisces must have something like simpatico, an energetic link, must get each other. But this isn't on necessarily a verbal level. It's on an energetic level. Pisces signatures to work well must have a reasonably high level of self-awareness to not bring out the dysfunctional side. This is easier to describe what happens when it doesn't work well. Simple codependence is common. Uh, sounds and would sound like uh, you are responsible for how I feel. Instead of realizing that each has chosen the other to take care of the status quo. So in the codependent signature, they can sometimes last and be in some people's eyes, very successful, as long as nothing upsets the apple cart, okay? I'll be able to change this person, fix this person, heal this person. That's when the apple cart goes out the window and we have typically crash and burns in relationships. Why? Because the simple fact is that person A cannot fix person B. Another option is no boundaries, where one partner cannot see the other as a unique and separate individual. This might sound like the above, but not always. Person A expects person B to live their life in service to person A, like a third arm. Okay, so there is a difference there. The healthy version is realizing at a deep spiritual level, we are one. Um, and typically I draw a graphic and I've got to find a graphic program so that I can do some of my stick figures which help to demonstrate things. Um, but there is this place where there is the realization that yes, I am in relationship with someone else, yet at a profound energetic level, we are connected. Okay, so putting the sun there means that for her, relationships are energizing. With Venus there, it's about shared values. That has to be part of it. So for her to pick someone who did not have a spiritual component or uh, an understanding of the energetic level of life, that wouldn't work. Okay, so it can also be... Um, on sort of a another example of this would be uh, not just strictly spiritual but it can be on an artistic level both let's say music or dance um, where there is just a natural energetic flow between two people okay 
Now, with that Venus, she rules particular houses. And in this case, she rules the ninth and the second. So those values have particular nuances. Study, travel, exploration, the, the journey that's never over. In other words, the ninth house. And what's it looking for? This is the Taurus piece. It is looking for things of value. Um, things that are well made, well done, well executed, um, and an exploration of many avenues of that. Okay, second house, it will deal with valuing the work that one does, um, whether, and it's Libra here, so this could be music, it could be artistic, it could be um, another option here would be, um, oh, a diplomat or uh, someone who r arranges social get-togethers, that type of thing. Now, what we see here is a huge bonus, um, and that is her seventh house is ruled by Jupiter. And guess where Jupiter is? Jupiter is in the second house that is ruled by Venus. We have a mutual reception. Hmm. If, it get, if she gets it right with relationship, she can create an amazing relationship. So what trips this up? Okay, so the Ascendant is ruled by Mercury, and Mercury is in the 8th house in Aries. Now, the 8th house isn't necessarily about relationship, about the personal relationship, but it usually ends up getting there in the sense that um, there are power dynamics between two people, there are shared resources, there's all the stuff about death and inheritances and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so, but given the signature that we've just heard, there is a natural flow, but Mercury, Aries, eighth house, ah, this is not going to be easy. Rather, it indicates that courage will be required to deal with. And here, I'm going to split it up a bit. The modern interpretation might be um, dealing with death and transformation and profound growth. And that's that eighth house where you've got to root out um, past dysfunctions and you know uh, traumas and all the rest of it and work them through. Uh, for the Hellenistic point of view, it's more about just straight death and inheritance, and also people being lazy and idle and not, you know, sort of getting their life together. So with Aries there, um, this is going to be dramatic, intense, and has to be dealt with in the moment. Now you pair that with this Piscean energetic simpatico, and you can see that there's a, there could be a disconnect here where things are going along fine until life throws up something that uh, the partnership can't deal with. And then do they have what it takes to take them through those um, craters, I think is what I call them, a little later in this reading. Okay, so that's a challenge. And both parties have to go through it. Now, let's look at some timing. So we've already talked about the third Saturn cycle, looking for ease and comfort. Now from the Hellenistic perspective, 
It has its own chapters that are unique to the individual and are outlined with what are called the cycles of zodiacal releasing. I'm going to call each one of the major level one books. Okay, so the book can be as short as eight years to as long as 30 years. Now our client today has the following book sequence. Okay, she started in a 20-year Gemini book, which should have been relatively active and easy. In 1956, it shifted to cancer. And this put an emphasis for 25 years on bringing things to completion. And there would have been some great challenges in that time frame. Okay, now in 1990, she started a 19-year Leo book. Um, and starting like a new story, uh, neither easy nor hard, okay? And in 2009, she started her 20-year Virgo book, which she is currently in. Okay, which could be active and easy, but obviously, given what she's told us with um, her marriage ending five years ago, uh, these easy chapters can also present some uh, obstacles. Now, when she hits a bump, it turns out that they are craters. I was mentioning that earlier, uh, which require profound transformation. The bump hole in the road so far, okay, so starting with this Virgo one, um, and I'm, I'm sort of tailoring this too specifically near the time when um, her relationship ended. And so she had one in 2010-2011. Um, that was a Libra chapter. And then again, uh, the next one, which was probably the one that caused the demise of the relationship. This was a Capricorn one. So 2013 to 2016. And uh, with that uh, cardinal emphasis, and that's why I'm pointing, these are the ones that are tough. They call in the Mars-Saturn conjunction, uh, which is hard work. It's being very sensitive. Typically, though, that particular part of her character has to do with the world out there. And so if the relationship was not supporting it or hindering what she needed to be doing out in the world, yeah, um, again, her question states they must be able to support her in her life. Okay, so currently though she is also in one of those deep transformation timing pieces and it finishes in September of this year and it started it just started okay so um, keeping it in mind that if you do contemplate doing another relationship that periodically this type of transformation, the type of energy and experiences that you had in 2010-2011, uh, again in 2013 to 2016, and that you're currently having now, that's not going to go away with a new relationship. And so the relationship, you need to have a sense that it's going to be able to work through those things. Okay, now uh, in, okay, where am I here? 
All right. The, the client's question is telling us that this is a serious question. Can I do another relationship, which will from time to time require deep transformation? But the rewards we know are amazing with that Venus-Jupiter mutual reception. Ah, that just sounds sweet. I must, I must note here that to bring more clarity to see what I to what I see, I would need to ask questions. How does the client experience those craters? And how amazing have her relationships been? Coming up in September on a level two is a Taurus chapter that can easily start something new. An easy time to be contributing her wisdom, philosophy, or continuing studies. A new partner would have to be happy with her participation in said scenario. And in her words, meet a man who would appreciate me and be in my life. Also, from a Hellenistic perspective, we would look at area, area of the chart that is actually being activated. What planet or planets at the moment? And these are called annual profections. So for 2020, and that would have started with her birthday in March, okay, she entered a third house perfection year, which is Scorpio, which activates all that Mars 11th house stuff. Okay, let's just unpack that a bit. Third house years are when we are 2, 14, 26, 38, 50, 62, etc., our siblings or extended family might be making waves in our life. Local social connections will be active. This one is ruled by Mars, the guy possibly, which is in her Cancer 11th house. 11th house, a great house to put a very hard pair in. Both malefics, and they are playing with sensitivity of having no emotional skin. Ugh. Okay, the 11th house is groups your tribe in the world. She is combining local third house connecting with large societal groups. One example of this could be being involved with a local chapter of an international group that protects very vulnerable people or animals or I'm just creating some examples here. She has Mars conjunct Saturn in Cancer in the 11th they can get it done but this is a double-edged sword the organization may not realize that anonymous this person will go through profound changes because of her involvement and will need support for her public role why is it such a public role while well, she has that cancer is ruled by moon and gemini and it's up there in the 10th spokesperson speaking up publicly. Mercury is her steersman, which brings us back to courage to transform um, with, you know, or dealing with death and taxes and all that eighth house challenges. Her relationship, I imagine, are what makes her position in society doable. Because remember, the sun is in the seventh, so it gives her the energy. But this year is not directly pointing to relationship. That comes next year, maybe, a Jupiter-ruled fourth house perfection. Uh, an easier would be 2024, her seventh house perfection year. Okay, other things to consider. Yes, of course. Transits, where the planets are today, 
also solar arc directions, a method with old roots but commonly used today. I see solar arcs as a set of unfolding promised by the birth chart, like a seed. Grow now, flower now, perish now. Secondary progressions more nuanced of the above. So from the solar arc and progressions, I looked for likely, likely suspects re her question. So the first up, the sun just recently changed signs two years ago. Okay, and it moved into Gemini in the 10th house. This does bring more of a focus to her position in community, but part of our position in community is, yeah, so do we want to be seen as single or do we want to be seen as a couple? Her moon is located here. So this is, you know, that sense of ease in the world um, and why it's so important that whoever is in her life is able to respect and participate or support her position there. Okay, um, and this isn't going to be all that quiet in her life. Engaged and seen doing her connecting, this points to finding energy amongst her social group but not directly connected to relationship. So yeah, Sun in the 10th, quite easily done without a guy. Nice to have a cat though. <laughs> her solar arc moon is coming up to her ascendant, ah, in three years time. Hmm, that would be a significant marker for a new relationship. The Gemini chapter, ease an active guy, the progress moon is traveling through her seventh, okay, craving the sublime, oh yeah. The moon will conjoin the sun August 2021 and then Venus April 2022. Both of these could potentially call in a relationship. The sun is also catching up to a midpoint. Uh, Venus equals, or sun equals Venus Pluto peculiar destiny in love and that's in two years time now venus has changed signs also by secondary progression in may of 2020 going from a 10th house gemini into that cancer stepping back from out in the world to being in the group the big societal scenarios do i want to engage in a relationship well it would make sense with this piece that the person, you would find them in those social groups? Or do I want to focus on what I'm doing out there in the world? Again, pet or guy, hmm. Now here's the, probably the strongest piece and that is secondary, no, solar arc direct Mars is opposite Venus. This is a very strong urge that is unfolding at this time literally drive to be in relationship to find natural balance in life. Venus herself is square to the ascendant descendant. My position in community must have respect from my personal relationship. Okay, so her question is absolutely correct and clearly someone would have to be okay with her life out there. 
And also, this is saying someone needs to be there right now. And I didn't get from her question that someone is actually standing in the door. Okay? So what could tip the scales? Progressed Jupiter, ruler of that seventh house, is about to square Saturn. Hmm. Understand correct boundaries in relationship is a must. But Saturn is in the 11th. The pull is to be out in the world. I'm thinking two to three years looks more promising than now. And I'm only saying that because I'm not getting the impression that somebody is right there right now. Okay, transits to me are like the weather, and especially with outer planets, they pull in the effect of living on a planet with 7 billion people and all the other living, living beings. The weather will have an effect on us all, COVID-19 as an example. Okay, normally I would not look at transiting Venus because of she's very quick, only typically in a sign for maybe a couple of weeks. But she has taken a long time to traipse through Gemini. And that, of course, has been triggering her moon. Can she be comfortable out in the world and being signal, single? And that's a question that I'm sure she by now has, is beginning to have a pretty clear answer to. Jupiter is traveling currently through her fifth. Can I play and be romantic again? Critical to answering this question comes from events that have already taken place. So I would ask the question, in February, what was happening? Were you able to like be playful and romantic? Did you experiment, go for a coffee thing with someone? You have another opportunity from August to October. Because remember, the internal timing is saying yes to relationship. But there are other factors to consider. Okay, so your second shot, like I say, is coming soon. Now, Jupiter is activating your hard, hardest circuit, which will give you the answer to, do I really want to do another relationship? Because you need upbeat, hopeful energy to walk down that road again. Saturn has also been in your fifth of play and romance. His tests follows a similar time frame, but also include July to December. Saturn would not usually be seen as welcome indicator of relationship, but rather a dampener of it. I take a more pragmatic view. When Saturn is around, the question is clearly this reality. Do you say yes, knowing that this can be as good as it gets, and if it improves, bonus? But can you be happy if it does not change? Okay, again, for this test to work right now, which it could be on right now, um, the prospect should be present. In other words, somebody should be standing in the door. Now, Uranus is traveling through that Taurus 11th, no, Taurus the 9th house. Ooh, ah, I made a mistake here. I'm going to correct it, yes. Uh, okay, so this is the great disruptor. It's also trying the actual ascendant next year. Relationships that are disruptive could actually show up. 
Timing can give her a chance to meet someone, but Uranus relationships are not for the faint of heart. So, I, you know, if she meets somebody May of 2021, November of 2021, or March of 2022, yeah, I might take a pass on that. <laughs> okay, so Pluto, I am jumping over Neptune. I will come back to it for a reason. Pluto, in his long journey through Capricorn, her fifth, which started back in 2008, it squares Jupiter, okay, the one that rules her seventh house, in 2021-22, um, what she values, her work, her relationships, right? Pluto is going to continue to put some processing on that. Pluto will also sextile Venus two years from now, 22, 23. This latter aspect can bring faded relationships to people, but not always of the romantic kind, but definitely of the transformative kind. Now to the loudest voice at present, which most of us will not hear the same as people, folks who have strong Piscean circuits, which this client has. Since 2011, Neptune has been making his way, her way, through Pisces, which has not happened since the mid-1800s. Neptune, when first introduced to astrologers, was seen to have an affinity with Pisces. Today, it stands on its own and has a distinct influence as it travels around the sun. And here I'm going to quote from Robert Hand's uh, seminal work, Planets in Transit. And this is what he says. Neptune is considered one of the most difficult influences to handle. It causes life to become confusing and unclear. And under its influence, people often believe what is untrue. Ego-denying, feeling discouraged, futile, undeserving, and unworthy or ability to perform great acts of selflessness. There are also physical effects that challenge one's health and vitality. One can become easily swayed by glamour and not always in a good way. Typically, I recommend not making any big moves in your life direction or attention until this influence is in the rear view mirror. Now, having no idea at what spiritual level this individual is at, um, this could be profound in terms of bringing someone into her life right at the moment. But the big but would be how spiritually awake and aware and comfortable is this person. For our client today, Neptune has been conjoined her son in the 7th by a 1 degree orb starting in 2019 and will only be truly in the rearview mirror um, after December of 2021. This is a time best utilized for spiritual development, to be in service to others, a time to be and not a time to do. Neptune energy loves to inspire and daydream and romanticize the ideal. Our client's son is in her seventh. She is wanting communion, simpatico, to be in sync with other. Someone, some would call this like looking for a soulmate. 
Neptune can infuse the moment with all the right juice, but it has no concern for reality. Not a proscription for finding a sensible, realistic, long haul of a relationship. There are other varieties of relationships, though. Saturn can bring an element of reality, and he is testing Venus, but can it override Neptune conjunct the Sun? Not a bet I would make. The way she framed the question says that her door is open, but no one is standing there, and if there was, I would wait a full year or better before I would say a or nay to a potential relationship because the timing is now, but ah, yeah, the conditions are not, are not good. But if the person is still there and one is still feeling that simpatico and one can see clearly the reality, yeah. The question is real from what we have seen, but time is of the essence. So coming in the future, in the years to come, Neptune will begin to conjoin Venus in 2425, while Saturn will join in that conjunction from 2025 to 2026 to that same Venus. This combo can change an existing relationship profoundly, but can also bring, so let's say she doesn't do a relationship right now and she waits, uh, this could bring a romantic encounter to match her signature. Saturn could keep it real. A deeply satisfying relationship is not always about the length of time together. What might we say to this client? Wait for the guy or have cats? This is the right question. She's asked the right question. And I would say if someone is not standing there, which her question implies that there isn't anyone, I say, move to an apartment, get the cat, keep an open mind to what Neptune will bring in 2025. And that's what I would say. Okay, as you can see, there are multiple layers to sift through and one must sort and prioritize who is speaking loudest. This reading would have changed a lot if the planet Neptune had not been making such a dramatic aspect at this time. This process of laying out all the elements of timing will work with timing questions of all sorts. What changes is the priority of where to focus on? Career, moving, education will have different emphasis. And like with this chart, you can usually see that the question is legitimate. The question will give you the timing techniques to start with and then as you walk in you will see if that is what is up or just how far in the future you will look. Now the level of detail also depends on the question slash subject. Is the subject affected by the client's prioritized solar arcs and secondary progressions uh, with annual perfections? Look at transits and zodiacal releasing for questions that are affected by outside influences. The time frame will include and exclude factors. If the question is about a subject with less than one year, I would look at level two and level three of zodiacal releasing, add in Mars with transits and possible Mercury if signing things are up. 
I would drop outer planets unless conjunctions were involved. Saturn always stays. This is a rough take and not sure I would take it too seriously. And I'm hoping that I will receive more requests for anonymous chart question answers, uh, which will give me uh, more opportunity to demonstrate how astrology can work. But we have a major moment happening today, and we're within 10 minutes of arc on Mars changing signs. Mm, dun, dun, dun. Okay, so Mars is about to accelerate our world with, as one astrologer put it, gasoline. Arg. <laughs> okay, so um, if you have your own chart handy, uh, take a look at just where your Aries house is. And uh, know that for the next six months, um, Mars will be cruising through that area. It will pause, back up, and go forward again uh, in that time frame. So it's, it's going to charge up that area. And some of the keywords that can go with that are um, accelerant to a situation, forceful, divisive, inflamed, reactive, fighting dirty, strongly assertive, very subjective, underline, underline, underline. Emotional and physical heat, right? Uh, yeah, so if it's, let's say, your sixth house, that might be something to look at, right? You could be needing to really pay attention to your day-to-day -day activities and your health. Aries to Capricorn. Okay, so this is Mars and Aries, and starting in a couple of days' time, we will have the trio in Capricorn. We'll have Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto. And because they will be squared off like that, uh, what happens between Mars or between Aries and Capricorn, it's like having your foot on the accelerator and your foot on the brake pedal at the same time. Okay. There will be a collective expression of this, which will be very noticeable. Um, and I know myself, I have <laughs> quite a lot of concern about that particular effect, uh, given the conditions down in our neighbors to the south. And the fact that, hey, we still have a pandemic wandering around. Okay, so in 2020, Mars will form repeated squares to Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto in Capricorn. The Capricorn group, which has initiated global changes through pandemics, the breakdown of martial systems, which is Mars, the police, and structural definitions, systemic racism. And there could be more as Mars challenges Capricorn for the next six months. So those three big topics might not be the only ones that pop up. Ooh, I would like, geez, isn't that interesting? Okay, but what I would like to do is take a tour through uh, the 12 houses so that you might notice if Mars picks you up and starts getting you to fight dirty or be strongly assertive or very subjective, 
that you might want to just pay attention to that. And last but not least, I'm going to have to watch my time here all by myself because my computer telling me when my program ends is not up. Oh, this is so much fun. I might just run on for hours and somebody might come in and say, hey, isn't your show over? <laughs> Good old Mercury retrograde. I love it. Okay, so if you have Aries rising, you are literally going to probably be demoing, being very subjective, uh, being very forceful, not that you aren't already forceful. So, you know, you're going to have to really pay attention to not kind of over amping it. Now, when Mars goes retrograde, though, they're saying that sometimes this takes the total, you know, turns the switch off in which one is not asserting when they need to, etc. Um, and so I will actually be curious, and I'm hoping there might be people listening to the show who could, you know, comment on that, if that effect is one that they notice, where their energy just kind of drops out. Okay, but otherwise, be aware that, ah, it isn't always just about you. Okay. Second house. If you're job scenario is not um, uh, allowing you to assert yourself to be direct, uh, then, you know, staying in that position at work could be very difficult um, because the need to assert yourself, to um, be decisive, you know, if there's too many constraints put on you, it's going to make that workaday world difficult to handle. The other area that could be very volatile is figuring out how to invest, uh, what sort of things to buy. Um, I'm not entirely sure unless, you know, what you value is climbing or firefighting <laughs> or signing up to be a policeman. <laughs> That it could be difficult uh, in terms of finances and uh, your work environment. And so know that that volatility um, and the gasoline that seems to be thrown on the situation, that isn't necessarily of your doing, right? This is a transiting phenomena. And, but you're gonna have to be aware that you're probably gonna have to deal with that kind of energy. Okay, third house. This might be uh, close family members, siblings, that whole group of people could become very disruptive and assertive and uh, a pain in the butt, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, and so you're not going to want to engage in fights or um, reckon, you know, you're going to want to recognize recognize if you're being too subjective or they're being too subjective. Um, the other thing is this could be accidents in terms of short-term travel, you know, like literally having an accident with a bicycle or walking or hiking. Um, this isn't sort of the big long voyage type accidents. This is the, you know, getting too wired, too much energy, um, not dealing with one's anger could produce third house accidents. Yeah. Okay, 
fourth house, this is the home environment. And um, this could, uh, from a Hellenistic point of view, it could indicate someone uh, in your close personal family has an accident that's very serious. Um, it's also the house of death, so that's a possibility. Uh, but we won't go there. This could be literally just fights at home. Um, it could be fires, that's another one that could happen, fourth house. Um, I vote that uh, you exercise the phenomena called time out <laughs> within the family scenario. Um, of course, I'm thinking, you know, for those who might find themselves getting thrown back into lockdown, that, um, yeah, ooh, domestic violence, no, no, let's not go there, folks. Um, but it, it could mean a spike in that particular arena if you have Aries on the fourth. Okay, fifth house, play. This is probably going to be one of the easier ones to deal with um, because you just do the drama, play, um, be bigger than life, um, but just ask people to get out of the way so that you don't run them over or wipe them out. <laughs> but at least with the fifth house, there's the possibility of um, having an outlet for all this extra martial energy. Children, children could be prone to accidents. Yeah, fifth house, could be. Uh, so bubble wrap them probably can't, but you'll probably wish you could. Uh, just have your safety kit, first aid kit ready, stocked up, lots of bandages, etc. Sixth house, uh, health. Okay, so overheating. Um, yeah, uh, and that can be also emotional overheat. And uh, again, you know, finding your way to exercising timeouts uh, and so that it doesn't have a physical impact on the body. Um, a fire at work, that's total possibility. Um, getting fired at work because you're just too assertive, too aggressive, too adding accelerant to a situation that management is not happy with or yeah. So your temper could get you in trouble on a day-to-day -day basis in your working environment. Kind of similar to the second, but different uh, because this has obviously a health component to it. This is also where you might run into enemies at work. A difficult one if you have Aries on the sixth. Seventh, okay, not in relationship. A very Aryan type person could walk in the door. You've got to be willing, okay, because you'll have Libra on the first. Can I actually do a incredibly virile, assertive, subjective, only sees life for themselves, man or woman, either way, right? Um, they could come storming in the door. I would. I would bank on waiting till Mars moved into Taurus before I signed on any dotted line. Uh, obviously, if there, if a relationship is in trouble, having Mars go through the seventh house um, will create a significant rough patch. Um, otherwise, 
Could it be good? It could be good. Mars, lots of energy. Uh, but you're going to want an outlet. Otherwise, uh, too much heat, too much um, irritability, etc. Um, yeah, so sports. What's interesting is this might be felt between the fans and the whole sporting world. I just thought of that. Yeah, that could be tricky. Okay, how am I doing for time? Oof, I got 10 minutes. I better speed this up. Eighth house, not a good place. Could literally mean someone passes. Um, it could be the big fight over an inheritance or struggling with investments um, and dealing with that. Uh, ninth house, um, getting way too up on your horse, you know, on the podium, uh, stressing your point of view as the be all and the end all. Got to remember, everybody else has an opinion too. Tenth house could be very visible uh, with Aries here and what you're doing. So presentation, not losing it, <laughs> not adding. This is like somebody should talk to uh, well I do believe <laughs> Donald Trump does have Aries on the 10th which just is not good for the states because um, yeah got to fight the right battle here and if not problems will ensue 11th house this is the huge reforming possibility okay on a personal level uh, to have the courage to have the energy to have the fuel the decisiveness to move something into the future to make changes um, don't want to get it boiled down to just us and them that would be the danger 12th house look out this is dangerous um, in the sense that enemies are hidden they're not as open as they are in the sixth um, and self undoing so if you have a lot of unexpressed anger this could cause, uh, you know, something to hit you from out of the blue because it is that unexpressed anger. Okay, I am going to have to, oh, I have seven minutes to do Where's That Moon? And um, as I was saying, I don't have up on my screen when I am precisely supposed to end my show. So, yeah. I apologize to whatever show comes on after mine because I might cut into it a bit. Here we go. So today, Mars actually changes signs. Um, okay, so the moon at 1 p.m., just as my show is winding down, and Mars at 6.45 p.m. And so, you know, obviously I've given you a preview. Um... Okay, so the moon will be shifting from Virgo to Libra um, here in just about two or three minutes. And not making any other significant aspects today. Okay, Sunday, June the 28th, moon in Libra gets to see if Mars is, if Mars sextile Saturn is really squaring Saturn. So tomorrow might be kind of a strange day as we come close to Saturn backing up into Capricorn. This all happens in the wee hours of the morning here on the West Coast, but I wonder if portends are happening. In other words, some sort of clue about foot on the brake, 
and foot on the accelerator. And what's popping into my mind right now is the huge spikes that they're getting down in the states to the uh, pandemic. Okay, do we open up, do we not? Okay, uh, in the morning we get a check on Mercury retrograde at 8.13. How scrambled are your wires? Okay, so that's tomorrow morning. Monday, June the 29th, Libra moon governs the day, looking for balance and harmony, okay? But the evening festivities are all Scorpio moon. Transition is 3.47 p.m. And first up is a last moment reality check with Saturn, getting very close to moving out of Aquarius. The stage is set for the second Jupiter conjunct Pluto of the year. This pair can be generous, but to who? The status quo or to the new reality? In the first week of April, the virus was winning, except in China, where they appeared to be getting a handle on containment. April 4th was their first kiss, and their last kiss coincides with Mars stationing direct in November. Okay, so this is part of a three-hit phenomena. Tuesday, June the 30th, we are all about the sun and energy. First, though, that Scorpio moon is checking on Mercury RX. Do we try to keep your composure in the face of snafus, especially from Uranian unexpected eruptions? Okay, and that's at 821 in the morning. Okay, and between, yeah, 821 a.m. and 838 a.m. I'm going to vote that it's not taking place in reality, like as in an earthquake. <laughs> now we get the Sun, Mercury, and Uranus doing a dance throughout the day, starting from 3.15 p.m. to 11.06. What to expect from this trio? Let's see. Energized, misdirected eruptions, earthquakes, surprises. One heck of a solar return day to be born on. The degree affected would be nine degrees of cardinal signs. So if you have nine degrees of Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn, you might be having kind of a wild day on Tuesday. Okay, July the 1st. Drum roll, please. Saturn slips back into Capricorn at 4.37 p.m. Lockdown. What lockdown? Does the economy outrank our health and safety? Question. Do we see the real reality of just what it means to stop the world on a dime? Moon in Scorpio is digging deeply into the Capricorn domain to unearth the truth. The opening bell of the stock exchange might be worth watching today. Moon sextile Jupiter-Pluto at 8.05 to 8.19. Okay. Uh, Thursday, the second, Moon and Sag, hope is quiet. The Moon makes no traditional aspects on Thursday. Friday, July the 3rd, Moon moves into Capricorn. All day makes no aspects, productive for all, I hope. And coming round to my show next week, uh, Full Moon Eclipse. And I did put it up on uh, my website the chart for the full moon next week and I will talk about it next week because I think I have probably run out of time. 
So, thank you for listening. I've been your host, Maureen Reed, and this is CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And thank you for listening. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.